0: Hello and welcome once again to the Nightlight Podcast. Today we're going to look at a chapter in the Bible that many folks are hesitant to read. It's the chapter in which we read about a first beast, a second beast, an image of the beast, and the mark of the beast. And here to give us insights into the beasts of Revelation chapter 13 is Joseph Candel. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight.
1: Revelations 13 uh, is a very key end time uh, chapter. Yes, and what this does, it highlights uh, what is going to happen in the world that there will be a rise of a world leader. He's referred to as the beast in Revelations 13. You know, he'll be a world leader, world government leader. He'll lead the last world government, the seventh world government, because there's been six. World governments: uh, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, medo Persia, Greece, Rome was the sixth. And since Rome, there hasn't been a world government. Right. So the Antichrist will lead this world government. He'll come in and be very popular. People really like him because uh, probably after an economic crash and war and you know disasters, he'll you know the world would be in a real mess. And he'll come in this beast. He will come in with solutions and answers and and really help. Change the world, and everybody think he's wonderful. He's just great, but then, in the middle of the seven years, he'll break the covenant, and we'll go into further detail on, on what happens to him. But he'll break the covenant. This is just a quick summary. Right. He'll want to be worshipped as God. He'll take over at the Jewish temple. He'll that'll be like his headquarters. They will stop the daily animal sacrifices that the Jews will be able to start when the covenant starts. They'll rebuild the temple. Yes. And he will he will be the world leader. And as we go on later, we'll talk about how he is uh, wounded unto death, and and he's, like, resurrected like Jesus was. We'll talk about that in this chapter. So it not only exposes him and what he's going to do and how much he's going to be liked by many people in the world, but it also covers the false prophet, who's the promoter of the Antichrist, and the false prophet has the same amount of miracle power as the Antichrist does. Right. But he encourages people to worship the Antichrist. And then, of course, they're going to set up their uh, economic system, 666 system, where it sounds like everybody will have to have a chip in their right hand or forehead to buy and sell, and it would be mandatory. Right. And we'll get into that further. But that's just sort of like a general outline of Revelations 13. And it's a chapter every Christian should know about it because it really paints a very clear picture of the future events, end-time events. Nightlight, keeping
0: you in tune with the times
1: okay so let's start
0: with verse one it says and i stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy so uh, there's a bunch of heads and horns and crowns explain those to us joe
1: yeah, there's a, quite a bit of symbolism there. The, the seven heads that's being talked about in verse 1, having seven heads and ten horns, the seven heads represent the seven world empires. And like I briefly stated, the, the first empire was Egypt, then after Egypt was Assyria, and then Babylon was the third world power, Media Persia was the fourth and the Grecian Empire was fifth, and then of course the Rome was the sixth uh, world empire. Now these these uh, nations were considered world governments in their day, right? Because they had they pretty much controlled the whole world. But then it says in the and the final world government, you know, there'll be a seventh world government, and that government uh, is the going to be the new world order or the world government, which is going to be led by the Antichrist himself, whoever he may be. So that's what those seven heads represent, the seven world empires. And of course, when Rome fell, that was the sixth world empire. We have not had a world empire since Rome. Yes. But the Bible clearly states and clearly tells us that there will be a seventh world world government or like they like to call it a new world order and you hear a lot in the news about this you know i mean bush gave a famous speech even in nineteen we're on the verge of a new world order you know so there's a lot of talk about a world government and a new world order so the seven heads are the seven world empires so when the antichrist confirms the seven-year covenant then that will start the last seven years. Yes, He'll start the covenant. Jews will be allowed to rebuild their temple and resume their animal sacrifices. And we'll get into that later in the the chapter. Uh Now, the ten horns uh, are symbolic, too, of ten kings. Okay. And these are uh, leaders who will submit themselves to the Antichrist. In other words, they will join him. There's two thoughts on this, two possibilities. Uh, One of the oldest ones, and of course we don't know if this is going to be the situation, that some believe it could possibly be ten kings from the European Union. But on the other hand, another scenario is that the whole world could possibly be divided into ten regions, and each region would have a leader. So that would be possibly you know, the ten kings that that's talking about.
0: Oh, that's interesting. The
1: Revelation seventeen twelve, 12, the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power, kings one hour, a very short time with the beast. So they'll join with the Antichrist. These ten kings, kingdoms or powers, they haven't received the kingdom yet because John got this in around 95 AD. And at that time, the sixth head, the Roman Empire... Was the you know the sixth world empire at the time? But when the Rome fell, uh, there has not been a world government or what it calls the, fi- the seven heads. Now the beast that rises up out of sea, this could you know this is possibly symbolizing people and nations and not, not the ocean because mm. it may represent the sea of the world, the multitudes of the world. He rises out of the multitude of the world, mm. and uh, Revelation uh, chapter 17 verse 15 highlights this possibility. And that says, and he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. Mm-hmm. It also says that uh, we see a similar description because in verse Revelation 12:3, it talks about a similar situation, the great red dragon that comes in Revelation 12 that has seven heads and ten horns. And, of course, uh, we know in Revelations twelve nine, chapter 12, verse 9, we know that the dragon is referring to the devil or Satan because it says, And the great dragon was cast out of heaven, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Yes. So in the middle of the seven years, uh, he, he gets kicked out of heaven and, and the devil himself is right down here on earth. So the difference between these two beasts is that the dragon mm-hmm. in Revelations chapter 12 is the devil and the beast in this chapter is the Antichrist. The devil will possess the Antichrist the first three and a half years of the Antichrist reign. He'll probably have a lot of influence from him but when the Antichrist breaks the covenant, then that, that'll be the time where the devil sounds like he possesses him and works right through him. Yes. And of course, when it talks about blasphemy, he's going to be blaspheming God. You know, he's going to be a dynamic speaker, very charismatic. He's really going to uh, be a really strong dictator. As we continue on with this chapter, we'll, we'll get a lot more detail about this.
0: It's nightlife. What a delight. All right, let's go on to verse two, Joe. It says, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority.
1: Yes. So it, uh, it's interesting in verse two is that, uh, which I saw like unto a leopard, and Daniel seven, the leopard was uh, actually, uh, I think it was Greece. Yes. And the bearer represented Medial Persia. Right. And the lion was Babylon. Uh-huh. Also mentioned in Daniel chapter 7, which also talks about uh, the former empires, and it also talks about the, the Antichrist and his rise to power and what he's going to do. So Daniel 7 is also a very uh, key... Chapter about the end time, and it gives, goes more into history and then into the end time. Right. So anyway, the Antichrist, he's got, they say, the possibilities. Sort of got all those kingdoms. He's sort of got all their anointing, all their characteristics of the former kingdoms and empires which have preceded him.
0: All in one. So maybe
1: it's like all you know, all the former world empire leaders, and you know, Hitler and all those guys are probably you know just in the spirit world part of that strategy. Of course, you know, we don't know for sure, but obviously he's gonna. The devil will, we know for sure, will possess him. So so that, and it says there it clearly says that the devil himself gives the Antichrist his power, his seat, and authority. Right. So that's who he's gonna be power. He's gonna you know, the devil is gonna be working through him and giving him the power. And that's what the devil always wanted. He wanted to be worship. Remember when he was Lucifer, he was one of the top angels, he was the light bearer. Uh-huh. And he got lifted up in pride, and then he, he, he didn't want to be next to God as the light bearer, but he wanted to be above God, and then, then he got rebellious, and of course he, he caused the one-third of the angels to follow him, and of course uh, now we see the world the way it is, and obviously the devil has a big hand on, on what's going on with the Lord's permission. Mm-hmm. But we see he wanted to be a ruler, he wanted to be a king, he wanted to be a, have a lot of power, and, and that's what he's been doing down here on earth. He has access to heaven as well, but that's what he's doing. He he wants to be the leader of the world, so that's that's his plan, and he's moving along with that.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's get on to verse three. It says, "And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast." Joe, when it says that all the world wondered after the beast, that doesn't necessarily mean that the world is going to follow him, right? Uh, he's going to have a lot of opposition.
1: Right, most Bible scholars believe, in-time Bible scholars, that this is referring to the seventh head. It is the Antichrist, because we, as I mentioned, the sixth head was Rome. So the seventh head uh, is the Antichrist. You know, he, and then he's going to have a false prophet. But it says that he had a deadly wound in his head, and it goes on to say, and his deadly wound was healed, and you know, all the world wondered after the beast. I mean, it sounds to me. Like, okay, sometime during his seven-year reign, probably just before, I'm just suggesting that it's just a possibility, but it would seem just before breaking the covenant or right around that time period, it sounds like, you know, he's going to get assassinated. Somebody is going to probably shoot him in the head. Maybe he's getting out of his car or he's giving a speech, you know? Yes. And uh, somebody, uh, you know, kind of like what happened to John Kennedy, he gets a deadly wound in the head, but the difference here is that it will be healed. And it'll be like he was resurrected, you know, his deadly wound. It was a deadly wound that was healed. Yes. So it's almost like uh, <laughs> copycatting Jesus Christ. You know, Christ. Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross and died, and he rose again, you know. Right, but right. But in this case, uh, Antichrist is getting a deadly wound, and then he's, he comes back to life again. Mm-hmm. And so people were, you know, they're probably deceived then. And then he's going to come on and say, well, I'm God. Worship me False prophet will promote him, and a lot of people might even believe that he's uh, God, you know. And if they don't believe that, they can still have a very high opinion of him and want to follow him and and want him to lead them, lead the world, you know. And it, it's going to be quite a pretty heavy thing. I mean, I mean, they'll probably see this assassination on TV. They'll probably be all, you know, see it on TV all over the world, and so it'll be he'll it will be used as uh, propaganda and, and and to really prepare the way for people to worship him. Right. That's something that d- deceive a lot of people and even Christians who are not really in the word, not really studying the end time or believing in a secret rapture
0: nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. All right, Joe, let's go on to Revelation chapter 13 verse 4. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? Uh, that sounds like he's going to be a military man, Joe.
1: That's, that's right. He's going to, you know, he's going to amaze the world with supernatural miracles and his power and his ability to fight wars, you know, conquer the world. So when it says wondered, it's, it's not wondered like everybody's gonna, not everybody's going to wonder. They're just, a, you know, a lot of people are amazed by him. This uh, simply means he's going to be the ruler of the earth. It says he has power over all, but it literally means above all more than any other over the whole earth. I see. Uh, more than any other before or after will be Jesus. So the Antichrist, uh, you know, he'll be one of the greatest dictators that ever lived, with the most power of any dictator that ever lived. He, he'll make Stalin and Hitler make, make like children's play compared to, you know, his politics and his, how he's going to run the world and, and demand people to worship him as God. You know, but, of course, uh, Christians, if they know this stuff, they're not going to worship you know, him or his image, which we'll talk about later. There's also going to p- be people who are not Christians, or maybe they're of other religions, or maybe they just don't like a world dictator. And so he's going to have also a lot of rebellion. Yes. And he's also going to fight wars during that time. So he'll be the greatest dictator that ever lived, and uh, a lot of people will worship him as God.
0: And he'll be like a military dictator.
1: Yeah, that's part of his uh, role, it sounds like he's going to be a a military uh, dictator. It sounds like he fights the war before the seven year covenant and through his reign he has various wars during the first three and a half years. He has wars in the Great Tribulation. We won't get into that specifics now. Maybe that could be another show. But yes, he's a, he's a, a leader. He's a military leader, it sounds like. And uh, every war that he fights, it, you know, he wins that war and he gains more power. He uses both. He uses peace and war, which is brought out in Daniel eleven twenty one through 45, that, that particular chapter. Right. So he also uses peace and stuff, but he also makes war. And, and no other country can defeat him. And so he rises to power using peace and sharing the wealth and, but he also uses war to consolidate his uh, you know his power and, to, and when he takes over the world you know nobody like him you know who's who's able to make war with him he doesn't lose a war except when he gets to the battle of Armageddon where Jesus comes down with his saints to defeat him at the battle of Armageddon so that's where he loses his war his first war he loses but that's a that's a whole different uh, chapter and, and scenario Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight.
0: Revelation 13, 5, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months." This 42 months, Joe, is the same as the 1,260 days, three and a half years as it is prophesied elsewhere. So the time period here seems very specific. This is the last three and a half years, right?
1: Yeah, that's the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. And, and like you say, it's given in days as 1,260 days. and Yes. But this also shows that he'll be a charismatic speaker. You know, it says he has a mouth speaking great things. And in simple words that people can understand and relate to. He'll be a man of action. He'll work signs and wonders. Yes. And he'll certainly be a strong leader. You know, he'll be the strongest leader the world has ever had. Gosh. You know, like I said, he'll make Hitler and Mussolini look like Paul wimps. You know, this, he's going to be so powerful. But he will be full of the devil himself. So he will be a, a strong dictatorship. He'll, he's like the false messiah. Right. You know, the phony savior. And he's going to be doing able to do miracles like Jesus did. His last three and a half years reign is 42 months, or the last three and a half years. And this period, when the Antichrist signs the covenant, it starts the last seven years. The Jews are allowed to rebuild their temple and do their daily animal sacrifices during the first three and a half years. And then in, when he breaks the covenant in the middle of the seven years, that's when he gets the, possessed by the devil. And there's a big change where now it's we're going into the Great Tribulation, and he's become a... Uh, a dictator right. and we'll go into more in this chapter exactly what he's going to do but again he'll be a very dynamic speaker and uh, he will mesmerize people the way he speaks and what he has to say and so a lot of people are going to think he's great and he saved the world from you know destruction from an atomic war and you know he's feeding the people he's helping the poor which gets again that's in daniel chapter 11 21 through 45 so that's uh, he'll be a good speaker
0: And verse 6, it says, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So obviously, he's going to be very anti-Christ and anti-God and anti-religion, Joe.
1: Uh, You're absolutely right. As far as the religions of the world are concerned, he's going to be totally blasphemous against all their gods and all their deities and against God. God himself and Christ himself. So, yeah, he, he'll be blasting away. And again, the the scenario there is sounds like he'll be at the rebuilt Jewish temple. He'll uh, put his headquarters there in Israel, Jerusalem, and uh, he'll blast all religions like you were saying, like you were reading. Well,
0: Let's get on to verse 7. It says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Who Joe are these saints here that are being overcome?
1: When he breaks the covenant, that starts the great tribulation that 42 months 1260 days and the saints are generally speaking are Christians that are not worshipping the antichrist or they're not taking his uh, chip implant or whatever 666 technology that will be. So they're going up against him and these saints are are warning People, they're warning the world what's going to uh, happen. Don't worship the Antichrist. Don't take the 666 mark of the beast chip plan or whatever technology that will be. So they will be winning people. People will be getting saved, asking Jesus in their heart. They're, a lot of people have probably heard about this. And boy, when they see it happen, they're going to want help. They're going to want more answers. And the saints are going to be doing a lot to to preach the truth, to preach the gospel, to preach the end time message, explaining this is what's going on, this is what's happening. This is this was in the Bible. So they'll do that. So he he'll make war against them because he's exposing the saints are exposing or the Christians are exposing his plan and ripping people off from worshiping him to worshiping Jesus. So therefore he will you know he'll make war against the saints. He'll he'll try to hunt them down and kill them. That doesn't mean all the saints are going to be killed. Because, uh, you know, like you have the two witnesses uh, in Jerusalem that we've talked about in you know, past shows. And, yes. you know, they're in Jerusalem witnessing, and they try to kill them, and they don't die. You know, they, they witness for 1260 days, they're on TV, and these guys have an enormous amount of power, and they're totally 100% protected until they're done yes, with yes. their witness after 1260 days, then the Lord allows them to be killed. And there's also, in Revelations 12, it talks about, which is encouraging, there's a lot of Christians that are going to flee into various places of safety, maybe in the mountains, the hills, or, you know, so around the world, there'll probably be places of protection where Christians can go, because during this three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation, you can't buy and sell without the chip implant or whatever technology that will be, you know, and it'll be mandatory, and we'll get into more of that specifically later in this chapter. But yeah, he'll have a lot of power. And, but, you know, he'll have rebellion because, again, in Daniel eleven twenty one for 45, he fights various wars during the Great Tribulation. So obviously there's some nations that are going against him. Right. You know, I mean, for example, you look at the Muslim religion, unless they're, you know, deceived by the Antichrist, they, they might not worship him either because it's a man saying he's God. So that's against their religion as far as I understand it. So he might have rebellion from some of these nations that are, you know, that believe in Allah, he might fight, but he will fight war. So he's going to have his trouble too, but he's going to have a, a lot of power. He's going to be the worst dictator that ever lived. <coughs>
0: Nightlight insights. Okay, Joe, here's the next verse, number eight, which I'd like your insights on. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Joe, is there a difference between the book of life and the book of the Lamb?
1: From the way I understand it, verse shows that you cannot be a difference between the book of the Lamb and the book of life. A lot of Bible scholars believe they're one and the same thing because the book of life is the book of the Lamb, which is symbolic of Jesus, and it says the book of life of the Lamb. So some are suggesting it's just the one book. So when Jesus comes back in the clouds of heaven, after the Great Tribulation, then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive shall, shall be caught up together in the air and meet the Lord in the air. And then, of course, the, uh, the people that are not saved will be down here on earth. But after the Battle of Armageddon, many people on earth that didn't worship the Antichrist, they didn't get a chip implant, and they survived the wrath and the um, I mean the tribulation and the wars then these people will be ruled over by the Christians that were saved. This is known as going into the millennium.
0: Well, of course, the millennium, that's another huge topic, which we've done on another show. But let's stick here on Revelation chapter 13. We're on to verses 9 and 10. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints.
1: Yes. Well, the saints, uh, they're going to know they're going to be avenged against the devil and the Antichrist. And uh, it's also like, you know, what you sow, you reap. You know, it's like he that lives by the sword dies by the sword. You know, we've heard that cliche and stuff. So it's sort of like that. The saints, they have patience. And stuff, cause they know the, the last three and a half years of tribulation was only 1,260 days. Yes. They know the timing because it does say immediately after the tribulation of those days mm-hmm. th- then comes the uh, resurrection and rapture and Jesus' second coming when he comes in the clouds of heaven. The dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the sky l- to meet the Lord in the air. Th- that is a, an encouraging thing. So like for example if you're If uh, a Christian is alive during the last three and a half years' tribulation, he knows that the tribulation will last 1,260 days, maybe, because this is immediately after. It could be a few days after that, you know, because the two witnesses are dead, killed, and they lay after 1,260 days, and their bodies lie in the street for three and a half days, and then they're resurrected after the three and a half days. So a lot of people believe maybe the dead in Christ are rising first, and then we, which are alive and remain, are being caught up too, right after that. But, you know, we're just speculating on that but but we do know it's 1260 days of trib, so you can just count the days and so it'll be pretty easy to do that yes and then you know as you get to like 1250 days and wow you're thinking oh 1260 days is almost here we're getting close you know so it'll be somewhere after immediately after the tribulation it'll be a very exciting because you know it's almost over wow the tribulation is almost over and we go to the married supper of the land where we have a nice party <laughs> and uh... We get our rewards. Something to look forward to for sure. And then come back to the Battle of Armageddon at sometime during that, after that 75-day period of the wrath of God. We are at the Married Supper where the world is getting the vials poured upon them. Wow. And then we come, the saints come back after the Married Supper and they fight the Battle of Armageddon against the Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and that's when he, they get defeated. We take over. And then, of course, we talked a bit already about the millennium, thousand-year reign with Christ on the earth Mm -hmm. and those running and ruling with him, the the people that get saved throughout history and and in the end time.
0: You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And on this special end-time edition of the International Nightlight Show, we're with Joseph Kandel. And we're taking a close look at one of the most infamous chapters in the Bible, Revelation chapter 13. And we're about halfway through the chapter at the point where we have another major player stepping onto the scene in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. It says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Who is this two-horned beast, Joe?
1: He's referred to as the false prophet. And he works signs and wonders in the presence of the Antichrist. You know, we don't know who he is, but it's clear from the passage that he performs the multitude roles of, you know, being the Antichrist's propaganda minister and high priest of the worship of the Antichrist. So he's he's telling people to worship the Antichrist. And he has extraordinary powers, too, as he brings down fire from heaven. So he performs great signs from heaven. Of course, we don't know if that's spiritually where he brings fire down from heaven or it's done through some technology. Uh, it's not clear, but he'll use that. He'll bring fire down from heaven, and people will see that. And then he'll use that even to uh, worship the Antichrist, you know, I mean, look at when Jesus was on the earth and he was going around. What they always ask him for? the show us a sign from heaven, you know. Show us a sign from heaven, and Jesus never did that. You know, he just basically preached the gospel, healed people, you know, and he did miracles, but he never called fire down from heaven. But the, the false prophet will do that and use that to bring fire from heaven to encourage people to worship the Antichrist. So he'll be performing great signs and wonders. It says he has the same powers of the Antichrist. He's a very powerful, the false prophet is a very powerful guy. And he's a very uh, a dynamic guy to get the world deceived and to worship the first beast, the Antichrist.
0: Right. Okay, Revelation chapter 13, 12 and verse 13. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So, Joe, it looks like we're going to see the false prophet step onto the world stage after the Antichrist. So, he's not like John the Baptist who prepared the way for the coming of Jesus.
1: Yes. Yeah. He's like it says. He like Again, just to recap the verse you just read, he's He's got uh, supernatural spiritual power, of course on the dark side. Yes. And uh, he's a false prophet. He somehow he does great signs and wonders and he does bring fire down from heaven and and that deceives a lot of people and he's advertising the to worship the antichrist, you know. Mm-hmm. And but he has he has the same he has all the, the power as the first beast before him. So these the antichrist and false prophet are very powerful spiritually, but we're talking about the dark side of the spiritual world.
0: Okay, verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Joe, this image is it the same as the abomination of desolation that stands in the holy place, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and also in Matthew chapter twenty-four by Jesus?
1: Yeah. Yes. It- It seems to be he advertises the Antichrist, you know, get people to praise him and worship him. He's going to put some sort of, oh, I don't know if you'd call it an idol, but it's going to be, uh, the next verse 15 will cover it more. But yes, they're going to make an image of the Antichrist. And it sounds like it'll look like, possibly look like the Antichrist. But why don't we read verse 15, I guess, a little bit more description of this uh, image of the beast.
0: Okay, here's verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Of course, this is all now technically possible.
1: Yeah, it's going to be like it's alive, you know, I don't know if they will breathe, but this image of the beast and of course, they'll probably get that technology where they're just like they're alive. And it does say the image is having breath. It sounds like some sort of automation or computer operated cybernetic robot or Android. Programmed so that it could speak and act like it's alive and command the worship of the world uh-huh in my opinion I, I, this is just a suggestion of course we won't know till we actually see it I think it'll be something like that he will be almost like a person because of that the image having breath you know it sounds like you know speaking causes me would not worship and should be killed and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast so it's like he's alive you know. But again, it could be the technology. But anyway, it's just something, it's going to be pretty powerful. And it's, it's really interesting because if you remember the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think it was Daniel 4, I'm not sure, or Daniel 3. What, were, the same thing happened in the world where Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon and he made an image and everybody was ordered to bow down and worship him. And if they didn't, they would be killed. And, of course, uh, Daniel at the time didn't seem to be there, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there, and they didn't bow down. And they were thrown into the, I think they were thrown into the furnace, but they didn't burn. Anyway, this actually happened way back uh, in the uh, kingdom of Babylon. But this is going to happen again. But, of course, this is going to be on a wider scale, and, of course, the technology will be pretty advanced. But, yes, they're working on this, too. They're working on the image of the, you know, beast of technology and it's really taking off. I mean, what they're telling us we see the kind of robots that they're making, but a lot of times the things they let out, they're maybe five years ahead, you know. And uh, Minority Report, an old movie with Tom Cruise was pretty good because there was a lot of things in that movie that we're seeing today, you know, in the in the movie. I remember Spielberg, he was talking to somebody and he, you know, he was the director of the movie and stuff, made the movie. And he was saying some of the technology that was in the movie in Minority Report. He said, "Oh, someday, maybe five, ten years from now, the, the things we were in this movie, you're gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be happening." So he even acknowledged that, you know. But yes, they're rapidly getting uh, the technology for the image of the beast. They're gonna set it up there. The image is probably somewhere in the Temple Mount area. Some think in the temple, but some people think it wouldn't fit there. So he might the image of the beast might just be outside of the temple. But I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: The light is always on with nightlight. Okay, Joe, on to verse 16 of the 13th chapter of Revelation. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads.
1: Uh, That uh, sounds to me like a possible technology would be chip technology, as we see uh, around the world. A lot of people getting chipped for reasons, you know, to go to a private pub, you know, or and uh, tr- travel on the trains. And you. Know, so it, it's spreading slowly, but surely. Uh, it'd be some sort of a, probably some sort of chip implant or whatever technology would be in the right hand or forehead. And now when it says it causes all, you know, it's not everybody's going to take the mark. It looks like some nations will probably rebel against them as we see him fighting wars during the tribulation, and we know Christians will certainly refuse this because they know exactly what it means. You know, so you see the technology out there. You see it's uh, growing. Uh, you have your chips and your debit card, your credit card, and some countries are trying to go cashless, and uh, so it's it's going that direction where they'll want to eliminate cash completely and just have a computerized buy and sell system.
0: Right, because it says in verse 17 that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name.
1: Yes, sounds almost like three different things, you know, and this is, of course, we don't know the answer to this yet. You can have the mark, guess, which is the chip 666, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Yes, so there sounds like three different things. Now, whether that's a choice, I don't know. Some end-time Christians theorize that if you get the chip in your forehead, because that's one of the places they, they could put it, maybe you get all the, all these benefits if you have a chip in your forehead. Maybe, you know, you, you want uh, sexual sensations, or you want to feel like you've had a few drinks, or you want to whatever, you know, and are, always feel good and positive but through the uh, chip technology, you know. But uh, anyway, that's still a bit of a mystery. But yes, uh, it, it's going to be a society where you cannot buy and sell unless you have this chip implant in your right hand or in your forehead. Uh-huh. And so anybody who doesn't receive it, they're going to try to hunt them down and kill them. So, you know, it, it's kind of a scenario like you see now. I mean, you know, most big cities have cameras on the – they see everybody walk on the sidewalks. And the technology will have as you walk on the sidewalk, it'll probably pick up. Electronically, whether you have the mark of the beast in your or the chip implant in your right hand and forehead. Yes. And if, <laughs> if you're walking down there without it, they may, um, you know, may have uh, police who are just uh, trained for this, and they'll go after you because you don't have the mark of the beast because it's mandatory. You know, it's going to be a very tight system. But again, he will have rebellion. People, not everybody's going to take it. Maybe whole nations are going to rebel. You know, and he, like I say, he fights wars with different countries. So obviously, he's. You know, he's having to fight these wars because he's getting some countries are going against him or they're not following uh, what he wants to be done as far as the new world order, world government.
0: Right. Well, let's go on to verse 18, the last verse of the chapter where we read about the infamous 666. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is 600 three score and six which is of course six six six
1: yes it's uh, like I say it's a, according to the verse 17 it's related to his name it's his brand you know the same as his name and then it basically having that chip shows that you're one of his if you take it in which you belong to the antichrist or the devil if you take it you know the mark is the name of the beast or the number of his name so it's a number still the name of the beast it's branding you with the name by the fact that you've even got the number. So it's all coming. Technology is getting today is a forerunner to the coming Mark of the Beast.
0: Signs of the Times.
1: So what are the numbers, 666? Yeah, it's 666, but I think it'll have other numbers with it, you know. Right, right. Because I think you would have, you know, maybe the first three numbers is 666, but then you have a number to more clearly identify who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, sorry, I'm guessing on this. I'm just speculating. That could still be in the realm of guesswork, but it's likely that people be assigned a unique number. Accepting the mark, like I say, saying, is not just a financial decision, but it's also a decision, perhaps unwittingly, to embrace the beast, the Antichrist, and all that he stands for. Revelation goes on, foretelling in other chapters the horrifying doom for those who bear his mark and worship the Antichrist. Yes, uh, you're talking
0: about Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11, right, Joe? Let me just read that. It says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angel's and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. But one thing, Joe, about this terrible eternal punishment that the angel warns of is that it will happen to those who worship the beast and receive the mark. I know some of my Bible students here have feared that they might be captured and you know, held down and forced to take the 666 chip implant. But I always tell them that it's not just receiving the mark, it is also wholeheartedly worshipping the Antichrist the same way that we worship Jesus. And the other thing is that the people who take the mark will have been very well warned as we read of an actual angel flying in the middle of the heavens and broadcasting with a loud voice this warning down to the world not to take the mark and what the consequences are if people do so. So anyone who takes the 666 mark, they'll be doing so in complete defiance of this extremely supernatural angelic warning.
1: Yes, it's uh, quite a warning there and uh, I totally agree with you is that uh, I don't think they're going to tie somebody up and And then in Chippum, I guess too, uh, they want them to, like you say, voluntarily join the New World Order or world government and voluntarily accept and uh, use this uh, uh, new chip implant buy and sell technology to buy and sell. But yeah, but I think the bottom line, it's uh, it's who you're going to serve, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think they will hold you down. They'll just tell you, you either take it or you go to prison or they'll kill you, you know, you know, you'll get persecuted for that. But, the, but it does say in Daniel 11:32 and 33, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Praise and God. And they, in verse 33, and they that understand that among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and by spoil many days. Now, when they shall fall, it says they should be hoping with little help. And it says, many shall cleave unto them with flatteries, which is like. You know, lying wonders trying to encourage you to take it. Come on, join our side, join the dark side. You know, get the mark and join us. So there's, you know, it's um, it's going to be probably be a lot like that as well. Shining bright
0: in the dark night. You're listening to Nightlight. Well, Joe, for those listening who don't want to be on the dark side and want to be on God's side. During these dark days ahead, and be overcomers and victors, and be strong, and do the kind of exploits that the Bible promises God's children will do in those days of Antichrist. Maybe you could tell them what they need to do.
1: Yes, um, I, I personally I think the anti-message uh, is very and very important. For one, we we see the signs of the times happening. Okay, we don't know when the antichrist will sign the seven-year covenant yet but uh... it can happen very fast you have uh... uh, people saying economic collapse so it's good to be ready and one way to get ready and to you know get the free gift of eternal life is to say a prayer and just ask jesus to come into your heart forgive you for your sins and give you the gift of eternal life and he will and also he'll, you know, you know, he'll continue to lead and guide your life. And of course, it's, it's important to study God's word and, and to learn what's going on. And even for me, um, the entire message was my key. When I was uh, 20, 21, uh, a girl had talked to me and she was telling me, she, you know, about Bible prophecy. And it was like, wow. she would be saying things, you know, about earthquakes, famines, pestilence, different things. And every time she quoted the word, you know, it's sort of like a a news feed came into my brain where all the, you know, different earthquakes that were going on, different events that were happening. And so it's good to to study the end time and to prepare for what's going to happen. And uh, obviously a lot is happening. Things could all of a sudden go very quickly, it sounds like to me, like even George Soros and they're saying, they're causing chaos, you know, the states and and a lot is happening. Something can happen very quickly, especially if a major war breaks out out in the Middle East. I mean, that can even speed things up where they just, des- you know, decide they share Jerusalem and AC comes on the scene, sign a covenant. Things can move, things can move fairly fast. But of course, we don't know the timing, but we do know it's important to get saved and to study these things and and to prepare so you know we won't get caught unaware when these uh, awesome end time events transpire when they're already transpiring they just haven't reached their peak yet and that's the final thing I'll say is that what the new world order or the world government how they want to come into power they want to use war economic collapse disasters and uh, terrorism and threat of terrorism and you say well with disasters you know how can they all do that? Well, they have the they have the harp technology. They can they they have and the woodpecker. They have the technology to create havoc and change the weather, cause earthquakes. They have that technology. But what it looks like to me, the new world order right now is trying to weaken the nation, trying to weaken America, trying to weaken Europe. They want these nations to be weak and in debt and having major problems, and that's another way to bring in a solution and bring in the new world order to solve the economic problems that, you know, that are transpiring. They can bring the nation down pretty quickly if they want. The globalists, uh, and that's what they do.
0: And thank you so much, Joseph Kandel, for that excellent overview of the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. You'll find my reading of Revelation chapter 13 on this channel, as well as the entire book of Revelation with read-along text. But that's all for now, and I'll be back very soon with another Nightlight Podcast. Until then, may God bless and keep you and
1: yours. Bye-bye.